0: and welcome back to the queen of calm podcast i'm your host paisley haddad so thanks so much to everyone who's been tuning in to all my episodes so far i just feel like everyone has such a unique story to tell and tips to share and so i hope you all are gaining as much insight as i am from all of them and i'm so excited to be sharing them with you all so before we get started with today's industry insights i just want to pop back to last week's industry insights and share the results of my instagram polls and if you're not following us already Follow us at Queen of Com podcast, where I'll always be sharing a poll after every episode asking you a listener question. And so, as for the results, last week we talked about the euphoria and gossip girl theory that I shared, as well as Tom Brady's retirement announcement debacle. So, starting with Tom Brady, I got a lot of reactions about this. All of you agreed with me that it could have been handled better. Things could have been more cohesive. They could have got more people involved and that he has to watch out for his, you know, fan base now going into a consumer facing career as a ex-NFL player. Now it involves in all these different companies. And as for the Gossip Girl euphoria situation, you guys were a bit more torn on this. Um, it was more of a 50-50. And I just wanted to share that theory last week because I just find it fascinating how You know, the branding and marketing and PR for these shows really changes throughout time. Because if you think back to Gossip Girl in 2007, there wasn't a lot of that social media where you could go on and react to the show live and share your, you know, authentic opinions. And you really had to rely on, you know, those advertising campaigns and seeing on those chat boards what people were thinking. But now with Euphoria, you know, it's kind of easier for them to have that shock factor because people are on Twitter, they're on Facebook, Instagram. Sharing, did you see what happened in this episode? Did you see this? And it's really enticing people to watch. I've never watched any episodes of Euphoria, but just seeing it, I just know that something shocking is happening. So I just found that really interesting to share. But as for this week's industry insights, I of course had to talk about the Super Bowl ads of this year because it's holiday for any advertising professional. And so I want to start by talking about my favorites. And so my favorite of the night was the Coinbase commercial with the bouncing faux DVD screensaver. So As we talked about in my episode with Sabrina Sanchez of PR Week, you know, every Gen Z audience member wants to be seeing something nostalgic. So what's more nostalgic than seeing that DVD screensaver bouncing around the screen like you're back in elementary school? And then to pair it with such a modern QR code that can, you know, tie it back to modern times, I thought was really clever. And I was reading this morning on LinkedIn a post from someone who was sharing its success saying that their site crashed, people wanted to get involved in their, you know, company, um, you know, sign up for Coinbase. So I think that was totally a win on their part. I also loved the Uber Eats commercial where they're now advertising their new services where they are able to deliver more than just food to customers and to have all those celebrity cameos and have that unique approach of them thinking that the objects were edible. I thought was really clever. And even the e-trade commercial I thought was really on brand for them where they had the talking baby because, you know, they're always known for their humor and kind of out of the box ideas. And so I th- feel like that fit in really well. And also the beginning, I'm not sure if this counts as an ad because it was kind of part of the show itself. But that Los Angeles and Super Bowl connection ad about how they're saying the Super Bowl should always be in L.A. because we have the same qualities of, you know, the dreams and making dreams happen and how football fits into these narratives on TV about, you know, these big events and all that. So I found that to be really fun and, you know, fit in with the whole theme of the night. But as for a big fail, I think, was the Chevy Silverado Sopranos commercial because anyone in my age age group who hasn't seen the Sopranos would not have picked up any of that. If I wasn't watching with my parents, I wouldn't have caught that either. So I feel like that was such a big fail for them to miss out on that big segment of a market like that to, you know, exclude a whole group who hasn't seen the show, who's younger Um, and to be, you know, showing off such a modern product, their new car for the year. I just felt like they missed a big mark on that one. But. As for this week's listener question, what was your favorite Super Bowl ad? I'm really curious. I mean, I feel like we saw so much of Peyton and Eli Manning that it kind of became super saturated, but that could be your thing because I know they're really good actors as well as football players and that they fit the whole NFL theme. But let me know on Instagram. I'll be asking, just as this episode premieres, who your favorite commercial was from. And so I'm really curious to see everyone's answers. And now for the theme of today's episode, personal branding. I definitely will get into this with my guest, who is a job skills coach and founder of campus2career.net, and she does a lot of work in the job searching space. She helps find people refine their LinkedIn skills, their resume skills, cover letter, all that good stuff. So I can't wait for you all to hear from her because she shares some great insights, especially having that background in the communications industry. But before we get to the interview, I just wanted to pop in with a few of my personal branding tips. And so as you heard in the first episode of season two of The Queen of Calm, One of my goals for this season, or should I say this year, is that I really wanted to hone in my skills on TikTok and making videos and content and then translating that over to Reels. And so one of the first ones that I did and that I had time for in my schedule was all about my LinkedIn tips. And so I want to share them here as well, just in case anyone doesn't follow us on Instagram. But if you don't, follow us at Queen of Calm Podcast if you're interested. Um, But my first tip is to, you know, always have everything updated. Make sure your past experiences are in the past tense. Upload any links or any documents or things from your portfolio that can help enhance any of those experiences. For example, when I work for my student newspaper, every time I wrote a story and it was published on the website, I would be sure to go in and grab that link and add it into my you know, tracker under there with my experiences. Um, and then my second tip would to always be sharing industry news on your feed. And so whether that's starting a poll, talking about something relevant or sharing an article, and telling your thoughts on it, or asking a question out there, and say leave your thoughts in the comments. It just opens up that conversation to potential and new connections, or potential and existing connections, I should say. Um, and it really, you know, increases your chances because, as you know, LinkedIn, once someone likes it, it gets shared with their network, and so on and so on. And so you never know who you can be on LinkedIn because there's so many people out there who are willing to share their expertise or share a lending hand for a job or an internship so be sure to always be doing that and it shows that you're on top of things for potential employers or internship coordinators. So my third tip is to show some personality on your profile. You know something I did was change out the bullets in my experiences to be stars and adding a pink header with a crown to match my podcast and adding emojis into my header uh, in my headline I should say. So just adding little elements like that that show your personality make your profile stand out from the crowd really make a difference. And, you know, when someone's looking through and, you know, looking through different candidates for a job or an internship, they can really see the attention to detail that you have on your profile and that you're always, you know, keeping on track of your page and making sure that it's relevant and up to date. And so my final tip is to never be afraid to share those wins with your network. It can be so intimidating to hop on LinkedIn and say, I got this job or I got an internship or I'm a finalist for a scholarship or I won this award. But, you know, adding credibility to your page Of sharing those experiences and that also goes back to the industry news sharing experiences as well i mean showing that you're an expert in your industry goes a long way and it goes towards building that personal brand in and outside of the office and so something to remember as well and this is just a quick story when i did an internship we had these intern seminars where we get to meet with different people in the company and pick their brain and one activity that we did was called speed networking and it's something i'll never forget because i was so intimidated i was so scared i was like they're probably going to judge me i'm not going to say the right thing but after going in there and practicing my elevator pitch before i get in there and hearing the feedback from each person who i went along with i feel like every single time i went through and shared my elevator pitch i was much more confident every time because i took into account their advice on how to enhance it and what to say to the next person and so i truly can say that getting your elevator pitch you know down and you know practice can be really valuable because you never know when you'll be in that situation where someone says you know what do you do for work what have you done in the past you know what are you looking for in the future and so to be able to have that at your disposal is really impressive to potential employers or someone who's you know looking to give you an internship etc or or just build a connection and so those are my personal branding tips but you'll hear more, hear more from my guest about how you can you know stand out once you land that job or what to do to stand out to land the job you know what guidance you can get after college and she'll share all of her tips that she uses through her work my next guest has had a career in marketing and has now shifted into a career as a job search skills coach and mentor for college students and recent grads with her business Campus to Career. Please welcome Stacy Kay to the podcast. Welcome, Stacey. So glad to have you on. Thank
1: you. Thank you for having me.
0: So I'm so excited to have you on the show because I'm sure that a lot of my listeners are going through a lot of that job search, even at the college level and even at the uh, recent graduate level. But before we get into that, I'd love to hear about how you got interested in marketing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. Um, So without revealing my age, um, you know, I didn't grow up with the internet, and digital marketing and all of that. But believe it or not, at age 14, and again, not saying how old I am now, I had a dream. I wanted to work for a packaged goods company, a big brand. And with that in mind, I grew up outside of New York City and uh, we were at some family gathering. I don't know what holiday it was. And this cool 20 something, um, my aunt told me, you know, she works at Ogilvy VMA, they're advertising and I should go talk to her. And I did. And then I asked her if I could uh, spend the day, uh, one day, you know, shadowing her or an informational interview. I don't remember the specifics. And that's, what lit my fire. Um, I always wanted to work on big brands and um, I always had a knack um, for finding, uh, I think people have described me as uh, where other people see white space, I see opportunity, which is is kind of a good thing in marketing or it is the essence of marketing.
0: I'd love to hear about your career journey and how that led that led you to what you're doing now.
1: Yeah. Um, so my first job out of college was uh, working for Dunkin' Donuts, corporate headquarters outside of Boston. And just a little blurb about that. um, You know, we didn't have LinkedIn. We didn't apply for things (laughs) online. And I kid you not, I literally called the corporate headquarters and I said, I'd like to apply for a job and they sent me an application in snail mail, (laughs) okay? And um, I applied and I got the job as as marketing coordinator. Um, And believe it or not, I'm going to, well, I'll tell you that was 1990 ish. And my first day uh, they were just getting IBM computers on every desk. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I was a little nervous for many reasons. It was my first job, but I was also nervous because there was this lingering uh, assumption that women slash secretaries, lower level entry level, you know, would make coffee for their boss. And I was not a coffee drinker. And um I was nervous about that. And so I, I reported the first day. And wouldn't you know it, my boss was also not a coffee drinker. <laughs> so I was like, okay, because I don't know how to make coffee. Um and of course you can imagine working at Dunkin' Donuts headquarters, there was coffee <laughs> and donuts available all day long. Um but I, like I said, I had my sites on um, working for a packaged goods company, and so um, I was very analytical and mathematical, but I also had a very strong creative side, which you know, career counselors and mentors had helped me realize that, you know, when you're that young. And so um, I applied for a master's in market research at the University of Georgia, and uh, I was about a year or two program. And the reason I hope UJ is not listening, but one of the reasons <laughs> I applied is because I was guaranteed an internship at a packaged goods company and the cost was nothing practically. So that led me to working for General Mills in Minneapolis. Um, We didn't have MapQuest or uh, GPS or any of that. So I literally went to the library and I got an atlas. And being from the Northeast, I know that there's a stereotype of, you know, like, oh, everything revolves around the Northeast. But, you know, growing up there, I I knew Minnesota was West, but I didn't know exactly (laughs) where. I didn't know it touched Canada. So, of course, when I looked in the Atlas, if you don't know what that is, Google it. And um, I saw where Minnesota is located. I uh, worked there for several years and um, really decided that corporate America, you know, large companies was just not for me. Um, like I said, I have this creative side. I have an entrepreneurial spirit. I'm thankful for my time at General Mills and the people I met. I'm still in touch with a few today, um, but I had this entrepreneurial uh, bug, if you will that, uh, I just couldn't put down.
0: Yeah. So those are some wonderful experiences you shared. Too. I'll
1: tell you some of the entrepreneurial things that I did. Is that, is that all right?
0: Yeah, of course.
1: So some of the entrepreneurial things I did after corporate America, um, there were these, I'm very into trends and, and seeing kind of, you know, what's going on in usually the food world. I don't, yeah, I didn't really step out of the food world until recently. Um, but there was this trend going on, you know, parents wanna get, especially moms, wanna get dinner on the table and the kids are in activities and they're being pulled in a million directions. And at, back at General Mills, you know, when moms prepare meals, it's it's the way of them conveying love, believe it or not. They did all this psychological testing. Anyhow, um, there were these meal assembly companies that came into the marketplace. Uh, some of them were called Dream Dinners, um, My Girlfriend's Kitchen, and essentially, moms would go into these retail locations, assemble the meals, usually with frozen or room temperature stuff, no cooking, and then they would package them and put them in their freezer so that, you know, after soccer practice, boom, you know, you have something. Um, but the idea was mom was still making the dinner and loved you. <laughs> um, and so um, I had this crazy idea that wasn't so crazy. Um, I had this idea that while moms were going through these um, assembling kind of places, that instead of using Cisco uh brands, you might see the big Cisco trucks on the highway, that they should be using Pillsbury. They should be using Green Giant. The, the brand name should be in front of them so that they, you know, and then of course when they serve and eat the meal, it's like, oh, thanks to Green Giant or thanks to Pillsbury. So uh, at two different times, I pitched two different meal assembly companies to allow me to come in and do this. I did it for one for a couple of years, and um, they were having some franchisee financial trouble. And um, then I pitched the idea, and then I had a track record uh, to another company and went to work for them. Um, I don't think you'll really see any on the street these, day, th- these days. Um, if you do, I think the model, the business model has changed uh, quite a bit. And then I also did a very similar thing. Um, I think you guys might be familiar with Chuck E. Cheese. I don't know if they closed all of them or not. (laughs) Maybe maybe you had a birthday party there, Paisley. I don't know. Yes, (laughs) back in the day. no, my kids did. (laughs) Um, But, you know, they would give out a little party favor. I don't know if you remember. It might have like a crazy straw and a rice krispie treat and I don't know what else. And again, I thought, um, I found out, believe it or not, just by calling them. And again, this was like pre everything we have today. And they told me that they, you know, spent millions of dollars on those party favors every year. And granted, moms would pay for them. You know, if you have 10 kids, maybe pay two or three dollars, whatever it was. But my theory was that Chuck E. Cheese should not be buying those little things. That Kellogg's and Crayola and other companies should be paying to be inserted into the bag to reach kids at a certain age, at a certain Time, you know, at a celebration. And um, wouldn't you know it, I, I pitched this idea to Chuck E. Cheese, and um, they literally told me like three months prior to me, someone else came to them with the same idea. But the internet was just heating up, and there was this little company that then later exploded called birthdayexpress.com. Um, it was part online, part catalog. And again, the thing they bring to the table is they targeted moms, uh, I want to say four to six weeks prior to the kid's birthday. And if you can imagine all of the purchases that surround a child's birthday, whether it's a portrait studio, frosting and cake mix, um, you know, Toys R Us kind of gifts and God, all these places are not around. It's really sad. Um, (laughs) so I, I pitched it to birthday express and, um, I did that kind of promotional work for them. So that that's, I think all of my marketing, you know, experience per se.
0: Well, those were a lot of amazing experiences. And I love how you mentioned that you worked at Duncan because I'm a Duncan fanatic. So I always love hearing from someone who got to work there and, Yeah, that's such a a cool way that you like to take your ideas from the world around you. I think that's something that a lot of, you know, my generation's doing now with all these, you know, social media things that they see out there. And I think that's really something that's been passed down through, you know, different generations.
1: Yeah, I think it's probably easier, in some ways it's easier today for people to start a business, you know, it costs next to nothing to design a website, put it up there, Um, but, and like I said, pros and cons, You know, back when I called Chuck E. Cheese and got to the right person, that's much harder today, I think. I mean, you can find them on LinkedIn, but to get them to take your call, I think, is is harder. Um, But you you asked me a question before of how I became a job search skills coach. So uh, let me tell you a little bit about that. So I told you when I was 14, um, I didn't know it then, but we can now say I was networking, right? I reached (laughs) out to this woman and, and I set up some time with her. Um, you know, I have always been a networking machine and people have always called me a connector or, you know, when cousins and friends needed work or needed a plumber, you know, they'd say call <laughs> Stacy. So, um, I thought everybody knew how to network. Um, and, uh, we know that that's not true. Um, in part, you know, certain personalities lend themselves to be better at networking, I don't know how true that is for those of you introverts. Um, anybody can learn how to network. And um, well, I thought everybody knew how to network. And, and we know that's not true. Um, it's not just an extroverted sport. Introverts can network too. And unfortunately, I find that colleges don't really teach students how to network. And uh, they'll tell the kids, hey, you need to network. But they say, oh, go on LinkedIn. And that's not what I'm talking about with networking. Um, So I, again, recognized an opportunity um, to teach young adults, I I only focus on college students and very recent grads, um, for a few reasons, you know, one, they're new, they don't know how to um, do the research do the networking. Um, But also, I I just have a sweet spot for for that age group, my kids are 21 and almost 18. So, you know, it's right in there. but again, unfortunately, a lot of colleges are telling the students to network. Colleges, of course, we all know, are, you know, the college experience costs a lot of money, and there's no guarantee, right, that you exit with a job. So I came up with this idea, and um, as you can also imagine, parents really are, and, and students, but parents really are, reach out to me because they think, okay, I, I helped get my kid in college or I helped my kid do well on the SAT or ACT. I maybe hired someone you know, for tutoring in that way. I um, hired someone to help with the application perhaps. And I'm what I call the third rung on the ladder. Um, I don't know how many of me exist, <laughs> but um, I teach young adults how to network. I teach them how to find people who would be interested in talking to them about uh, their jobs. So I help them find what I call relevant professionals. Uh, obviously, if you want to be a veterinarian, you don't really want to talk to a lawyer, though lawyers are very nice. <laughs> um, but really, hope um, coaching young adults to treat it not as I need an internship tomorrow, but as career exploration. Um, because if, to your point, if you want to... Um, go into marketing, there's a million things, right, that you can do in marketing. You can do marketing for um, a business-to-business company. You could do marketing for business-to-consumer. You could do marketing for a startup. You could do digital marketing, traditional. I mean, there's so many things. And there's no better way uh, to figure out what you really want to do than to talk to people who are doing it. And I find most of my coaching really focuses on teaching young adults how to set up informational interviews. Um, and this starts to build their network of relevant professionals.
0: Yeah, that, that is such a, a great mission that you you have with your company. And I think networking is one of the, the biggest parts of the job search process. I can attest to that. I just got a job five months ago as an account coordinator. And you know that networking factor, especially with this podcast as well that I work on, you know, that's such a big part of building those connections. And, you know, you never know when you're going to run into someone somewhere or work with them again. So I definitely agree with you about, you know, building your network early on.
1: So Paisley, congrats, congratulations <laughs> on getting your job. And you've just proven not, I didn't come up with a statistic. If you Google around, you'll find that 75% or more of jobs are found through networking. And so it's such a vital skill. And it's not just to land your first job, as I'm sure you know, but it's to land your second, third, and fourth job, or if you want to switch careers, um, networking is so important.
0: Definitely. So, um, I want to talk more about your tips for recent graduates who maybe have just graduated this past fall, or ju- just this this uh, fall, or are going sure. to be graduating in the spring. You know, what should they be doing now in this world? Because as we know, it's so different from the past. You know, with everything. Companies being semi-virtual, you know, having to navigate networking online. So, what what are your best tips for students in that position?
1: Yeah, well, of course, the world is very different right now. Um, but the good news is networking is not so difficult, um, believe it or not. And what I would tell uh, young adults in college or recent grads, even if you've graduated recently, you still have what I call um, a license, if you will, or permission to reach out to people who are doing something that's interesting to you and ask them if you can set up an informational interview with them. Don't tell them that you're looking for an internship. That is a conversation closer. Tell them you're doing career exploration. Ask them if they would please uh, give you 15 to 20 minutes of their time that you'd like to learn about their career or their current and or their current job. You you, You have so much information at your disposal by looking at LinkedIn. Um, alumni are great people to reach out to because they want, want to help you know people who went to their school or people who are currently at their school um, I would also sit down with mom dad grandparents uncles uh, your friends parents and say hey I'm looking to going into marketing or I'm going to major in marketing or I just graduated and I'm looking for a marketing job can you connect me to people who do marketing um, and Those people that you first reach out to, I call warm or hot leads, right? Your uncle told you, or a friend's father stepped in and said, "You know, I do marketing for a bank, let's set up a call. So those people are are going to be willing to talk to you. And um, I think it's important to start with warm, hot leads so that you start to get comfortable about talking about yourself. Um, Another tip I have is before you set up these interviews, you are going to have to weave in some things in the conversation about yourself because you want to come across as interested in the other person. And that will just come from reaching out and asking them questions about their career. But you also wanna come across as interesting. And so with that in mind, You want to have, I usually tell my students to have five to 10 bullets, you know, on a piece of paper or or whatever works for you about interesting things you can weave into the conversation so that this person starts to not only hear that you're articulate and you can speak, but also a few interesting things. It could be about your favorite marketing class. It could be why you chose marketing. It could be about an internship that you had uh, last summer. It could be about a speaker who just came in uh, to talk to your class. And this is why you thought he or she was interesting. So definitely wanna have a few bullets you know, to weave into your conversations.
0: Yeah, I love that tip you just shared about having that bullet list. Um, I did an internship my junior year of college, and I think one of the best things that they provided to us was a speed networking hour where we get to meet with different employees oh, yeah. in different departments. And having that uh, elevator pitch was really useful in you know future interviews and different things that I applied for. And definitely making a list to have at your disposal, like you're talking about with those ten points, is definitely great to have.
1: Yeah, I also want to talk to uh, young adults who already are working, whether you're working in your dream job or not. Um, and by the way, it shouldn't be your dream job because you're young, right? You want to grow into your dream, but hopefully it's something you enjoy. Or it could be, you know, working retail. It, it doesn't matter. Remember, everybody you come in contact with, um, you're forming an impression. And every person you come in contact with knows people, right? They know people who work at marketing companies or who work at advertising companies, you know, whatever. And they, by the way, if you live in Florida and you're working there, um, everybody now knows people in New York, in LA, in Chicago, we're a very, you know, transient society. We we just know people everywhere. So think about the type of impression that you're making with the people that you hang out with, I'll say nine to five, Um, make sure it's a positive impression that you're making and network with them there's no harm um whether you're remote or in person you know I'll give the example if you're in person uh, at a company you know ask to sit down and have lunch or coffee with that person hey you know I, I see you've been at the company for 20 years in different roles I, I'm curious you know can we sit down and talk about you know the different roles you had and what led to you know um like what led to being promoted um and then if you're working uh remotely there's no reason why you can't reach out to someone maybe on a team that you're working on but you don't really know that well but you know he or she does this reach out and say hey i know we've been working together for a couple of months I've, i've enjoyed getting to know you um I'm just curious. You know, I took a look at your LinkedIn, or you know, I, I see that you've done this and this. And you know, I'm young. I'm curious. I, I want to learn. I mean, who's going to say no to that? So keep networking. You know, don't stop just because you're employed.
0: Yeah, that answer is actually my next question. I was just about to ask you. You know, what should these recent graduates be doing once they get the job? And I love how you mentioned, you know, networking with people within your your job or your company that you're working for. Because I do work remotely. And, you know, it's been so great to be able to connect with people in different states, like you were saying. Um, my agency yeah. is based out of Orlando, but and I'm from Boston, and I work with the team. Someone's in Orlando, someone's in Arizona. So it's definitely a chance to network with those people who have worked at all different companies. And, um, you know, that that also is something else I want to talk about, too, is, you know, how do you keep your resume fresh after you get the job? Because I know that there's always this misconception that, you know, once you get the job, you stop all of those you know, tactics to better yourself, you know, updating your LinkedIn, updating your resume. So how yeah, don't often, stop. <laughs> Yes. How often should you be updating that resume and how do you keep things fresh with your LinkedIn and your presence to a potential employer?
1: Yeah, so I just want to circle back to one thing for those of you employed who are networking on the job. Um, I don't want you to reach out to 25 people. And then your boss is thinking, you know, what is Paisley doing? (laughs) So in certain circumstances, you might want to say to your supervisor, hey, um, I just want to let you know that I'm really interested in connecting with people in the company and learning about their roles and how it all fits together. So would it be okay? You know, ask for permission. Would it be okay if I reached out to, you know, some people, I just, you know, wanted to give you the common courtesy of letting you know what I'm uh, doing. Um, To answer your question about updating your resume and your LinkedIn. So um, on an internship, I tell young adults, every Friday, you should take five to 15 minutes and put it on a Google Doc, a notebook, whatever makes you happy, and write down things that you did that week, things that you learned. Um, And if you find if you do that, over the course of an internship, by the time the internship ends, you'll have what I call meat. To put on the bones, right? Meat to put in your resume. On your resume, excuse me. Um, I would do the same thing for your entry-level job. You know, take notes. The project that you're put on for the first month could be very different than the second, third, fourth, fifth month. Um, so that will help you write the content for your resume. Um, as far as LinkedIn, uh, similar. You want to add the current job, and again, you'll you'll have some of the wording to add to LinkedIn and your resume, if you do what I just told you. The other thing with LinkedIn is you can start to brand yourself slash become a thought leader. So if you have a marketing job at a bank and once a week on LinkedIn, if you were to post something interesting, not secretive, nothing, you know, that you're working on that you're not allowed to reveal, but an interesting article, you know, every um, industry, you know, when I worked at Dunkin' Donuts uh, headquarters, I used to love um, Nation's Restaurant News Magazine. And I'm sure for banking, there's a banking marketing organization, or um, maybe not a magazine these days, but a website. And so if you, you know, once a week, maybe twice a week, if you go onto those websites that are relevant to marketing and banking, um, you can post something. Uh, You can't just post it, you know, on LinkedIn. You have to say something like, um, I read this article and here are the three takeaways, or I found it really interesting that when it comes to marketing bank products, you know, X, Y, Z, uh, you should read this too. So again, just by putting out content on LinkedIn that's relevant to your industry, um, and provided, you know, you're connecting with people in the industry, uh, it kind of makes people start to think like, oh, you know, this this person is starting to become somewhat of a thought leader in their industry.
0: Yeah, I love scrolling through LinkedIn and seeing what everyone shares. And I feel like the most impactful people that I follow on LinkedIn are those people that are sharing those articles and having insights and opening conversations in the comments. And, you know, I love going through the comments and trying to see if there's anyone that I'd love to connect with that works at maybe like an aspirational Um, company that I'd love to work for one day or work with and um, so that's definitely a great tip you just shared.
1: Yeah you know LinkedIn obviously as you already know is a great place to reach out to people. Again I would start with what I call warmer hot leads and reaching out to alumni Um, but you know you can now reach out to you know strangers. Um, Just remember this though a lot of I don't want to say a lot of people it's hard to know Um, But many people, I should say, many people don't check their LinkedIn Messenger. So, you know, don't get upset. Don't lose faith, you know, that your dream uh, person hasn't responded to you. Um, And I would also say, I'm going to generalize, but the older people are, uh, probably the less likely they are on LinkedIn um, frequently. So just be mindful of that.
0: Yes, and uh, yeah, I love how you mentioned the alumni as well because um, I went to Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York, and I feel like every time you say "Red Foxes" or you know I went to Marist, you always get so many people willing to reach out and help, and especially with my podcast. Going back to what I said before, you know I've had Red Foxes reach out to me and say, you know, hey, I love to be on the show and help out a fellow alumni, and that's such a great way to bridge a connection. Sure.
1: Sure. Um, That reminds me of a few other things. Uh, Okay, if I share.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: So for those of you still in college, um, go find your career services department. Do not pass go, do not graduate (laughs) without going. Um, They're not all great, I'm not gonna lie to you. Some are better than others, um, but you need to go and see what they have to offer. Uh, At the very least, uh, two things come to mind. You want to know if they will match you with an alumni who could be your mentor in marketing. And you also want to know a lot of schools, if, if you just go on LinkedIn, you know, you'll see Marist College alumni, you might see Marist College alumni, New York City or Miami, you know, they might even have break it down. Um, but some schools, I know actually Boston University has BU Connects that they created, it's a database of, I can't remember now if it's alumni and students, I think it's both um, where I can go in and I can search for, you know, Miami advertising and, you know, all these people come up, um, and their email is right there. And sometimes their cell number like, wow, you know, you can't get that on LinkedIn. Um, the mentoring, you want to, um, see if your school has a mentor program. If your career services does not, then I will tell you to go to the business school, the marketing department, whatever is relevant for you and say, Hey, um, I was wondering if you could match me with a mentor. You know, here's what I'm looking to connect with someone in Miami who works um, in digital advertising or social media marketing. Um, Schools genuinely do wanna help their students and alumni succeed, um, but it would be a shame. I had one student who um, was a senior engineering student at Alabama, and I went on the career website and found that every semester, this school was willing to match their engineering students with a mentor. And he was a second semester senior and he missed out on all of that. So that would have been eight, eight people. That would have been eight people <laughs> that he would have gotten to know really well, right? So don't miss out. And the other thing I wanted to mention is for recent alumni, um, your alumni department is also interested in helping you remain employed, get employed. Of course, they do want you to donate money, but you don't have to. But um, uh, their alumni uh, services, alumni department, whatever it's called at your school, you should definitely call them if you're struggling, uh, if you can't find a job or you're not in the right job and ask, "How, how can you help me? What kind of connections can you make for me?
0: Yeah, it, it's definitely so important to be on top of everything. Um, I actually had the opportunity to get a mentor while in college, and we actually kept it going after I graduated this past May um, through PRSA, which is the Public Relations Society of America. Um, so that is was a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. So definitely taking advantage of everything is such an important step to getting that job after graduation and you know getting that mentorship opportunity.
1: I, I'm glad you mentioned PRSA. Um, when I was a student, I was part of the Student Public Relations Society of America and also the AMA, the American Marketing Association, has a student membership. A um, couple of things that I like about both of those. As a student, your membership rate is much lower uh, than when you're out in the real world. <laughs> um, so that's good. And some of those, I can't, I can't speak to them now. I'm not a member anymore, but the networking is, is good and I'm sure that they've made um, strides, you know, with Zoom and online networking, because they're not having in-person functions. Um, Some of those organizations might have a member directory that only members get access to, and you could then, again, you know, search Chicago advertising, digital marketing, etc. And I know at least the AMA, I'm sure PRSA, has jobs uh, posted. And um, sometimes, not always, but sometimes, you know, companies, might only feed that job to the AMA or PRSA because they like the kind of candidates that they've gotten in the past. So um, you definitely want to look into those organizations and see what they have to offer. The other thing I like about them is it'll keep you um, up to date with industry knowledge. So you'll learn on those types of memberships, types of organizations. You'll learn uh, which company just bought what company, which company just landed a big account, What's the latest in social media marketing? Hey, there's a new app and everyone's going crazy about it. So those are also types of things that you might be able to weave into a conversation and show, you know, this young person is really smart.
0: Yes. Yeah, I, I, I love how PRSA and PRSA are so collaborative in that way. And um, I love going on their portal and kind of checking out what they have going on. Um, and something too that I wanted to ask you. So, you know, definitely in yeah. the news, job searching has been out there because of this great resignation topic and everyone's talking about the hiring process and the labor shortages. So should college students be intimidated by that great resignation factor when looking for a job or how can they navigate that?
1: Wow, um, I actually think it's the reverse. Uh, I wouldn't be intimidated. Uh, there are a lot of jobs available and um, in, in certain areas, you know, companies are having a hard time filling them there's a slight opportunity. I don't know this for sure, but if they can't find a 30-year-old with, you know, five years of experience, you know, if you prove yourself in the interview, or you know, if they ask you for work samples or something, maybe they'd be willing to give you a try. Um, I think it's a it's a great opportunity. Uh, it is probably going to shift, um, but net net, I don't know that it really impacts the group that we're talking about, the college students and the recent grads. Again, I say, you know, keep networking. Um, Something else, I'm sorry, I didn't mention before, but when you do set up informational interviews, it's not just what I call one and done. You don't just set up an informational interview with the marketing uh, manager or marketing coordinator at a company. You have to find reasons to follow up with them every four to eight weeks. I know that's a wide gap. Just got to trust your gut. Um, you really want to stay top of mind and you you want to build upon that initial impression that you started. So here are some examples. Um, You talk to, like I said, marketing coordinator, marketing manager of Coca-Cola and four to eight weeks go by and you mark, you know, mark it on your calendar that you got to follow up with that person. And maybe you send them an article, you know, you go on Google and you, you know, make sure it's a recent article, nothing, you know, from five or 10 years ago, but it's an article about something that related to what you were talking about. Obviously, so, you know, you put in the keywords and you'll find something. Um, it could be a webinar. You know, you're, you're part of the AMA or the Student Public Relations Society America, and wouldn't you know that there's a webinar coming up. And so you invite that person, you share that, hey, you know, based on what we were talking about, I thought you might appreciate it. It doesn't matter if they don't show up, right? It's just the gesture. And oh, you know, there's Paisley again. She's pinging me with something relevant. She's really making a good impression. Um, it could also be this, for those of you still in school, who are taking marketing, digital marketing, advertising classes, whatever, um, you're going to be assigned a project and immediately you're assigned a project and uh, you might say, oh gosh, you know, um, that marketing person from uh, Home Depot, they would be a really good person to ask. You know, you already have a a relationship. You've already had your one and done. You then have sort of earned permission to reach back out to that person and say uh, in an email, you know, hi, Ms. Smith or however however you refer to them. Uh, Hope you're doing well. Happy New Year. And listen, I am taking this marketing to a one class and wouldn't you know it, We were assigned a project that has something to do with the hardware industry. You know, I'm just making it up. And I was just wondering if I could um, set up a call with you for 10 or 15 minutes. I had a few questions, wanted to know if you'd help brainstorm some ideas with me. And here's a little secret I'm going to tell you. She may or may say yes or no. We don't know. But uh, I tell my students, I, look, I'm not a fan of lying. I want to go on record. <laughs> I'm not a good liar at all. But I tell my students, sometimes you get these assignments and you say, to your, oh, I got this, right? I'm going to, you know, kick you know what? And <laughs> I'm going to get an A on this. You know, be humble. Go find that person who can help you and get their feedback because we're looking for reasons to reconnect. And even though you know what you're doing, this gives you a reason to reach out to so-and-so at Home Depot and ask for their feedback. Chances are, by the way, they're probably gonna say something that you never thought of. So I tell students, look, even if you don't need feedback, go get it, it's a reason to reconnect with your network.
0: Yeah, that's such a great point that you make because, you know, there's such a big emphasis on getting that connection and, you know, starting that conversation. But I love how you talked about maintaining that because I feel like that's something that a lot of people in our age group really go through at this point in their career. So I'm glad that you mentioned that.
1: Think about it. If you have a conversation with somebody at a company today um, and you follow up with them in four to eight weeks, whatever that looks like for you, and then maybe you do another follow up, you know, four weeks later. Then you've built some kind of rapport and you actually have permission in March, April to say, hey, I really enjoyed getting to know you, or I hope you've enjoyed the articles that I've sent to you. As you can imagine, I'm looking for a summer internship. Your company is on the top of my list. Um, Any chance you know if they're hiring or, by the way, through networking, this also happens. You develop a list of companies that you'd like to hopefully intern at. And you see, oh gosh, you know, so-and-so's company is hiring. Well, if you've built that rapport that earns you permission to email that person, like I said, in March, April, and say, hey, I happen to see that your company is hiring an intern this summer. I was wondering if you know anything about it. I was wondering if you could put me in touch with the hiring manager. And again, you've, you've paved the way to earn the right to ask.
0: Yeah, it's definitely so important to maintain those connections. Well, Stacy, there's one final question that I have to ask to you, and it's something that I ask to all my guests. Um, okay. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Sophia Amoruso, but she is an entrepreneur and she's had a Netflix series and a book and even some like career help, a, a career help book called The Girl Boss Workbook. And she coined that phrase girl boss of someone who's in business or someone who's in your industry that you really admire. So kind of inspired by her on the show. I love to ask my guests, who's a girl boss or just a woman who inspires you? Um, In your daily life, it can be someone you know, or it can be a celebrity or somebody, just someone who really inspires you.
1: Oh, wow. That is a really good question. Okay, I'll tell you who comes to mind. Um, and a lot of young people didn't know Oprah Winfrey way back when. Um, But if you Google her, you know, she started as a newscaster, I'm pretty sure, in like a C-level market, you know, not in New York, not in Miami. And if you read about her, I mean, she's done so many things, you know, then she had her talk show um, and now, you know, the, well, not now, but, you know, then later she has a magazine uh, to be honest. I don't know what she's doing today. Um, I do know also, you know, she's pivoted really well. She's a spokesperson for Weight Watchers. She's been very open about her uh, weight loss journey. And I th- think she's just, I've never met her. <laughs> she seems really genuine and, um, And, you know, she does obviously very well for herself, but I don't think people would call her greedy or, um, you know, lofty. I think she's fairly down to earth and has also really throughout her career has maintained this, I want to help other people. Um, So I I would say Oprah.
0: Yeah, she is. She is such a girl boss. And I love how you mentioned how she pivots so well, because, you know, that's one of the most important parts to kind of be successful is to always have something new on the horizon and be, you know, like you did with your entrepreneurial spirit at the beginning of your career, you know, always being aware of what's going on around you and those trends. And I think that's such a great way for us to wrap up this episode. Yeah, great. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Stacey, for being on the show. Thanks for listening. Did you enjoy this episode? Head to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Want to drop us a line? Click the link in our Instagram bio to leave us a voicemail. And who knows, it might even end up on the show. See you next week for more tips and tricks of the trade.